Hello everyone, welcome to a very special sh chat with my colleague and friend Martin Ramsey. Martin, how are you? I'm very good, Stephen. Always a pleasure to uh, be in your company, whether virtual or in real life. But yeah, uh, yeah, things are good, thank you. Yeah, mate, likewise. We're here, obviously, to discuss your new book. Martin, you al already have two books um, about Rangers, very successful books, The 50 Greatest Rangers Games, Revolution, and now a new title, The Pursuit of, of History, Rangers 1992 to 1998. Why don't you tell us a wee bit about this book, first of all? Um, okay, uh, for anyone who hasn't heard me wang on about this um, before, uh, The Pursuit of History and Revolution were supposed to be originally the one book covering that glorious um, of all glory eras, uh, the uh, Soonest and Smith years, uh, 86 to 98. It was very clearly going to be too big. Um, pretty quickly, we, we made a decision, both myself and the publishers, that uh, it might be best if possible, to write two, but only if there were two distinct stories rather than just, well, we've reached halfway, we'll see you this time, you know, in a few months or whatever for, for the second book. And I felt there was. I felt absolutely um, there was um, two distinct stories within that 12-year era, um, two distinct kind of... Um, atmospheres and, and kind of climates, if you like, around around Rangers Revolution was all about forward change and about smashing the barriers that were uh, in place and, and changing the game, really, um, around us, uh, as well as obviously just the, the internal revolution uh, at Highbrooks. Um, from 1992, the birth of the Premier League, the birth of the Champions League, of course, which we helped in a huge way create, um, TV markets, everything else, um, and the real impact of the former rule um, meant that this was a different kind of tone. Um, same number of trophies in these six years to the previous six years, same number of titles and cups, but uh, a distinct feeling that as much as Rangers were, you know, reigning in the silverware, um, there was something else going on that was that was jarring a wee bit in a way that maybe that the first um, six years didn't, that there was a bigger party going on elsewhere and to what extent Rangers could have done more about that what extent they had absolutely no agency in that at all is something we get into in the book but it's it is that that period of and you know you and I lived it Stevie um, of kind of swaggering kind of hedonistic complacency, it was great it was great. Um, the best time, you know, these were the best of times, um, but there were seeds sown for future trouble, and also just just this nagging feeling that there's something bigger going on elsewhere, and we weren't part of that because we were exposed to what was going on in a way that none of us had been 10, 15 years before. And that's a big thing, Martin, that we maybe didn't know at the time because we were involved in such a, a Rangers bubble where we were so successful, Walter Smith was coming in, that he would have to change things. So we were maybe, as a support and as a fan base, concentrating on what was going on on the field, but not realising that off the field, those changes that were made in 1992, and it's been highlighted recently, actually, online and things, have had a devastating effect to where we are at this moment in time in 2023. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, and it was of our own, well, partly of our own doing, of course. The Champions League was 
driven by Rangers more than than any other club, as, as we know, Campbell Ogilvie's um, proposal for group stages and just guaranteed revenue for teams that that, that, that reached that point, um, because Rangers were, or David Murray, was, was kind of sick of going out early. We'd lost to, to Bayern Munich in the first round. We would then lose to Red Star Belgrade in the second, heavily in both cases. Um, AC Milan and Real Madrid, I think, had played... Uh, Sorry, um, Napoli and Real Madrid had played relatively recently as well in the first round. There was just this kind of idea that does it have to be this way? Does it have to be so down to the luck of the draw? Can we do something about it? So Rangers pursued that, but you know, by Campbell's own admission, never uh, wasn't able to foresee the the fact that television markets were really going to be what this this game was very quickly going to be all about. Um, It turned into something that, that just wasn't in the plan. From 96, 97 onwards, you have uh, two teams from certain um, big nations being involved. And does that then take away from the champions effect of the Champions League and that, that, that name? Is it is it now um, not really what it was uh, originally designed to do? And, and obviously it's exploded since then. Um, so Rangers were at the driving seat of that. But there were other pressures that needed a Rangers. They needed a club to do it. It was wanted by Berlusconi and Tappi and and whomever else um, felt that the European football just wasn't selling itself well. And these clubs were not making enough money. This was, you know, these huge football clubs, this prestige event was nowhere near marketed in a way that, that was kind of commensurate with the the size of the game, the size of the the, the event. Um, so there was a, just a, an undercurrent of frustration that something needed to happen. Exactly the same in England. Uh, with the, the the breakaway Premier League, um, which Rangers were a wee bit sidelined by, I think they were in discussion with the Football League. And the Football League was the big loser in the Premier League uh, breakaway. Uh, it was the the Premier League, or the, the the clubs and the FA that were maybe more in cahoots. Um, but Rangers and the, the Football League were having some kind of conversation about a British Super League, effectively. Um, and Rangers were kind of blindsided by by that. So. All these pressures were coming anyway. Um, it just obviously kind of coalesced in that 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 year of 1992 bypass law as well um, coming in, in that year. Um, now, why was that done? To make football more attractive to to telly, to make football a more attractive thing for casual viewers to watch. They'd seen at, at the World Cup in 1990 that, that casual viewers could be in their millions. They were prepared to do that. We're prepared to pay to do that. Um, so let's make the game far more attractive. And it became more of a TV event than anyone realised it could be. And one thing I get into, Stevie, it, could we have a chance? Could Scotland have had a chance to ride the coattails quickly? There's, I think there's a conversation about that. It was never going to be as big as, as the Premier League was in England. But you know, Sky were very interested in what was going on up here, not just with us, but they, they were interested in developing, I think, the product of the Scottish game in the early 1990s. Um, and we we looked at breaking away as, as early as, well, was, these conversations were happening in, in, in the late 80s, early 90s anyway, but certainly around 93 that, that, was, that was happening. And if it happened then, um, who knows if we could have hung on to those coattails a wee bit closer. It happened eventually, what, 98? 98-99, that was the first first year of the, the SPLs it was um, if that had happened in 93 could that, have, could that have been different well one team pulled out and that was of course Celtic who uh, at the last minute uh, decided that 
taking care of revenue that, that's really what it's all about you know ownership of um you know revenue streams and, and everything else and tv deals and, and, and whatever but they well they needed hamden very quickly for a year in order to to build the stadium so um that was kiboshed and possibly a chance going but um that, that that's really what i've enjoyed getting into the book what rangers were doing and the wide winds uh, that were just buffeting us all around because it really was changing in ways that no one really saw. On the pitch, Martin, Rangers would go through one of the, the most successful periods of, of our lifetime, certainly, um, accumulatingly in, and obviously nine in a row. But during that pursuit, we had probably the most successful season in 92-93 of our own attempt at the Champions League where we come so close and then followed by years where basically we're just left behind in the coattails of, of everybody else who Europe catches up very quickly, not only catches up but surpasses Rangers and leaves us miles behind everybody else. But So by the time that we do talk about 98, Rangers are a mere dot in the footprint. Is that fair to say? Uh, the the stupidest club in Europe, France football called us in, in 1997 in terms of what we would pay, wages, transfer fees for the return that we got in European competition by that point. Um, so I think that is fair to say. Um, listen, you know, you and I lived through 1992-93 every week. It just felt even more exciting. Where could this go? Um, I was convinced. I was told, I was told by men who who seemed to know what they were talking about that we would we'd get to that final at least, you know. Um, and everything was just rolling in that direction. It was an incredible excitement. Never experienced anything remotely close to it um, since. Not even you know the road to Seville and in, in, in Manchester and whatever else. So uh, absolutely, it was a very special time. It, but it was. It was a bit blood, tear and snotters, wasn't it? I mean, it was a team that in which the supporters were very proud, um, but it was complete spirit. Um, world-class talent at either end of the pitch, but but spirit more than anything else. They absolutely never knew they were defeated. You know, the eventual champions of Europe, with all the connotations around that particular success, couldn't beat Rangers from, from winning positions. Um, but that takes its toll physically. Players started to break. McCoist, Gorham, very quickly would be broken um, and you needed more, you needed far more than than, than, than just that, that that kind of team spirit, which is only can only ever be limited can only ever be transient and, and yes, football it's methods it's preparation, it's conditioning it's professionalism uh, it's fair to say left the club well behind because we did things in a very different way that team spirit that we, we talked about was still there throughout the period, but it was it was mostly working at home. It was mostly working against Celtic. Those big do or die clashes in eight and nine in a row and ten in a row actually. It wasn't Celtic games that that that, that, that tripped Rangers up in that that particular season. Head to head is is, is far better for uh, for us than than them. Um, but you know. Certainly, the two seasons previously, when when those those um, head to heads were really really important, um, it's that's what got us through. Um, that a total belief, a, a really strong mentality. Now, how's that fostered? It's fostered by those kind of bonding sessions, shall we say, um, and that's great at home. 
but it won't trouble Juventus. And it turns out it won't trouble Gothenburg or Roser or uh, Grasshoppers or, or um, Ike Athens or whomever else who were just... didn't have, Did not have the players, hadn't spent the money that we had, uh, but were far better organised, far fitter, far just in far better shape and position. And that is, of course, the duality. Um, as football as a game is moving towards greater levels of, of technique and preparation and professionalism, um, Rangers are looking inwards. What will beat Celtic? What will get us to this nine and then ten? And this manager will. These players will. And that's why we, we, we use both and those methods and that kind of culture to, to, to the very, very end. And it, it just failed, didn't it? And that, that, that final... That final push. The book's got so much in it, man, when you think about, and you've actually explained it, and you tell us things that we maybe never even thought of, because it's funny that during those times, we're so obsessed with nine and ten that we forget what's happening on the pitch and on the pitch, but the brilliance of nine in a row the brilliance of that European run in 92-93, the bigger picture Rangers have missed. But not to give away too much of the book, but to concentrate on, obviously, nine in a row and the glories of doing that, how much did you enjoy reliving those parts of the league trial? Oh, listen, it's it's never a, a, a waste of time. Talking about stuff like that, or, re, or certainly going into the the, the, the detail uh, around some of those games, some of the forgotten games actually, some of the forgotten goals and moments because there were so many, um, and the old firm games, especially as this thing came to eight, nine, ten, it's the old firm games that that, that really captured um, attention, the imagination, and it still dominates the memory. Um, and certainly Gascoigne and Loudrop, their, their performances in those those particular fixtures, um, but but some of the other. Um, games that of course make up the whole the whole thing. Gascoigne um, and Lodrop scoring goals that you, you just forget because they weren't as famous as even better goals that they scored in in those kind of um, key matches. So there's just so much. The eight in a row season actually that could be a book in itself. It's probably the longest chapter in the book, and I could have easily done double that because there's so much going on um so much going on for us again so much going on for the, the, the state of play in um in, in england and in, and in european football um but i think that's in terms of technique in terms of, of technical quality other than a wobbly moment probably october november uh, with injuries, surprise, surprise. It's the only time that Walter suffers injuries really in that season. It's very consistent. It's very balanced. That is his best team, that 95-96 team. Just in terms of the way he's, he's structured them, the system that he's put in place, that houses Gascoigne and lets him do what he does. An incredible debut season. There's not been a debut season like it, I don't think, certainly not for a midfielder. Um, it gives Goff another two years that he did not look like having given his performances from from 93 to 95 because he's got someone he's got a three three man defense he's got cover in ways that he we didn't have before and was getting found out and and exposed and it just gave him this renaissance in his his rangers career which was incredible to see um gorham who was on the transfer list not that long before um finally gets fit and plays the majority of games um, so I think sharing out, getting a wee bit of love for that 
particular team because I think that gets kind of lost, right? It's nine. Nine that gets all the glory, obviously. Ten that gets a wee bit of the um, frustration and what went wrong, 97, 98. You forget just how consistently good that, that team was. And yes, there were some European disappointments. Getting cuffed from by Juventus twice when you are missing your best players. It came in that spell where Rangers had loads of injuries. That's no shame. We drew 2-2 twice with Borussia Dortmund, who were going to win the Champions League the season before. That's no disgrace. The disappointment with Steuer and losing a late freak goal away from home, right? That's part of the European story, sadly, for Rangers. And then that disappointing draw at home. Those were the kind of disappointments. But this is not in the humiliation of what came after, what came before, I think. Um, So, yeah, that that, that season in particular... um, even from the December talking about the, the, the Dortmund game where, where Gascoigne gets sent off for a second booking for dissent, really. Um, and everyone is getting stuck in. This is not long after the Robottom incident and the, you know, the kind of headbutt and John Ingles and um, Jeremy McNeil is filling his boots. Rangers need to get rid of him now. I told Walter Smith this in August. This was a, a, a dreadful move. It will cost Rangers the championship. And fans are starting to think, you know what? They might be right here. And from December to May, when he's the player of the year and scoring a hat trick with the you know, greatest um, two of the greatest goals you've ever seen a Rangers player score. And then what the team goes on to do at Hamden a few weeks later against Hearts, um, the Loudrop final. But it's not just the Loudrop, even Loudrop's sensational. We've got just scores a hat trick, he could have had seven. Um Gascoigne's brilliant from a, a deeper lying position. Uh, watch that 90 minutes. I, I plead with anyone to watch that, that 90 minutes as a whole. Walter Smith finals are not fun. They're fun at the end because we usually win, but they're, they're scrappy, tight, difficult games. That's a fun afternoon. And I know Scott Crabb goes down with third minute or whatever, and that's a that's a blow to hearts. Um, and Jim Jeffries is forced to make a sub that he obviously wouldn't like to. But we are just... That's probably the peak. That's Smith's peak, actually, I think, aesthetically, uh, in terms of what he was kind of able to do technically with, with the Rangers team. And this is a time where we're like, mm, is Viali going to come? Well, you know, he might not, but there'll be another. Um, and as fans, and this, I think, taps into a lot of the time, as fans at Hamden that day, we didn't appreciate, I don't think, what we were watching because we just assumed... They would be bigger than Loudrop and Gas going around the corner in terms of signings, because that's, you know, it's one summer and it's the next summer. What's 96 going to bring? And um, been linked to all these names that are going to be at the Euros and, and, and all of this. Um, there will be more. And we're going to win 10 in a row. Who's going to stop us? Um, we didn't realise, and you never do realise when you're at the peak. Never do. But I think that was probably it. So it, that was a particular joy, Stevie, to be honest, to. to throw a bit of love back on, on that particular season, that particular Rangers team. Yeah, I would agree with you. Echo uh, what you're saying there. It's difficult because I don't want to give away too much of the book um, because it is, it is a fantastic period. But obviously the accumulation, the, the, the final chapter of, of this story is obviously the failure of 10 and not only what was going on the pitch, but also off it, had Rangers were about to embark on incredible change. 
with everything you've already discussed on the book and so far it tells all those multiple stories just to end so I suppose the, the thing to ask is why did 10 fail in your eyes and and how do you tell that story but tell me it Martin without giving away the, the essence of the book because we want people to go and read it and people should read it because it's a fantastic story oh well we don't win either. sorry for spoiling that um <laughs> Uh, listen, I did. It's fine. I I hope the book is is full of de- far more detail than I could possibly kind of convey in in a a, a discussion here. Um, what went wrong ninety seven ninety eight? It's funny. Even at the time, um, excuses were made. No, no excuses. Of so many. I I think I describe it as a as a house with a hundred sliding doors, and it, it kind of felt like that that season. Um, if Amoroso's operation isn't botched if he's just dealt with properly is it conceivable that if he comes back i don't know in the september or whatever the rangers concede the kind of ridiculous goals that we ship all season long of course it's not um if diana princess of wales doesn't die in that car accident on the, the, the that, that that saturday night the old firm game on the monday at parkhead gets played at a time where celtic just they are not going to get anything from that game, just given the, the form that the two teams were in at that particular moment in time. Um, that gets played in the November. Again, Rangers should win that, 1-0 up, down to 10 men, of course. Um, you know, the the Gascoigne red card, it was in the post. It was a soft one, but it's, a, it's, it's in the post for that particular night. Does his spiral in his life take place at that time? Well, possibly not, but it, it would come... At some point, it was probably always on the cards at some point. Alan Stubbs, if he is rightly given a second looking for taking Marco Negri at waist height on the halfway line, um, is he able then a few minutes later to go and pop up and score that that, that equaliser, which which gives Celtic a lifeline that, again, if they lost that night, is it really conceivable to get back in? Possibly not. The squash injury, if that happens, did, you know... Loads and um, there's loads more, and yet even if all those things didn't happen, there's still a sense that something would go wrong because it just it wasn't right from the start. Um, Smith had just taken these boys, his boys, as far as I think their bodies were really going to allow. Um, in any normal club, in any normal situation where you're not chasing this immortality a ruthless manager says to a few of them even the season two seasons before thanks for your time you've been a great a great servant to this football club um but we need we need someone who's a bit more reliable who's fitter uh, who's better in fact and we can't smith holds on to to these guys that he trusts and then tries to bring in this this huge influx and it just doesn't it doesn't happen um People always say, you know, Smith's departure is the, the, the key. Well, it wasn't the key in 2011. We knew for ages it was going to be Smith's real finale in 2011, and yet that squad pushed on and, and, and won that title in style um, and a cup because that squad, we didn't know it was around the corner right enough, but that squad still had players in their mid-20s that still saw a future at Rangers, and as much as they'd miss Walter Smith, they, they, weren't, they weren't going. Everyone was leaving at the end of this season. Smith, Knox, McCoy, um, well, Gascoigne was, was away, Loudrop was away, Goff definitely would be away, McCall, Gorham. Um, 
how many medals have you got between you know the, the, this group of players? What kind of collective cultural memory have you got with that group of players? They were all off Durant. Um, the sense of an ending was pretty much always there. And see when you need that extra bit, see when you need to go to Pataudry after you've just beaten Celtic back to back and just get get the job done as they have before. You need you need energy, you need fire, you need something. Come on, look at home. Um, it, it wasn't, there was just nothing. There was just nothing left. And again, because it was a club, I think, um, I start the, the book really with, with something I, I, I saw written in Fall of Follow at the end of 92, uh, 91-92, just the end of that season, um, where I fancy, you know, Sparta Prague, that was really disappointing. Europe, I, I feel Europe isn't going to happen really for us, but, you know, at least we'll, We'll still win the league all the time. Roll on ten in a row. That's the first mention I, I can see of it anywhere. The following year, after ninety two, ninety three, and this the, the way that Rangers won that, you start to see it in the papers. Look, could this happen? Rangers were locked then into history. Rangers were locked on this path. They need to match and beat this record. And therefore, decisions about as the club being run properly, are the players being worked properly, is discipline what it should be, all these kind of things, does this player need moved on those decisions can't take place because this thing is hanging over everybody and you just hold on to players that have, that have done you well before um, and I think that's 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 why I called it the pursuit of history Rangers are trying to pursue history of course but it's also a double meaning they're actually going back the way. They're, 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 they're going back into the past, settling these old scores at a time where football doesn't care. <laughs> Football's changing the rules. Football has is, is, is been more and more modern, more and more professional. Um, and that, that duality right to the very end. Who scores the first goal under Graham Souness's competitive regime in 86, 87? It's McCoyst. And who scores the last at, at Parkhead in that, that, that Scottish Cup final? It's McCoyst. It, it's still um, trying, trying to just grab this piece of history with um, the players that have kind of always, always been there, um, and it just, it just ran out. It is a fascinating story, Mark. Not only because I, I lived through it, but just because of, as you said, the duality of, of what we're going for and what's happening off the pitch makes it a fantastic read because. As we didn't know at the time, that period is so defining to where we are at this very moment in time. Man, it's been fascinating talking about this. Don't want to give away too much more of this book because I really want people to go and read it. But can you tell us how we go and do that and where we can find it? Certainly. Um, if you wish one signed, um, then you can get it in the heartandhand.co.uk uh, site on the shop. Um there is a deal. There's a few left. If you haven't, well, let's let's be. If you've enjoyed Revolution, you will enjoy this. I think it's it was a harder book to write. It's more complex, but I think it's a far better book for. It. I think this is a far better book than Revolution and the Fifty Greatest Games. So if you enjoyed Revolution, go and get that. Um, if you enjoyed Revolution and you think these two would be a good present, well, we've got a wee deal on at the moment, um, cheaper than Amazon to get both, uh, if you think that might be a good present for any Rangers fan in your life I know it's getting quite close to Christmas now so we might be up up against it but if you're quick uh, you can still grab um, those two in, in that deal, but yeah, it's there, it's of course it's um, in Amazon or, uh, as well um, and if if 
you don't have the time to read um and reading's not 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 your thing um but you love podcasts and and and, and audiobooks uh, revolution is now available on audible.com and the pursuit of history will probably um time and baby and everything allowing um, to get me to record it in the new year uh, but eventually if, if revolution sells well on audible then the pursuit of history will be there too if you prefer to um absorb your books and your reading that way we will of course put all the links in the the bio of this and we'll tell you how to go and find it folks and i would thoroughly recommend it martin it's been a pleasure before you go uh, it would be a miss not to ask you what do you think of this current rangers team under philip clement he's now been here 11 games um a couple of draws in there but where are you placed on how the, the manager's currently doing and and what can we expect from this next couple of weeks as <laughs> things begin to come to a boiling point on so many fronts? Yeah, it's going to be very interesting, isn't it, in the next few weeks? Because we saw a good reaction under Geo, we saw a good reaction under Bill, until it got squeaky, until it got uh, right there in front of us. Listen, um, he's a better manager than the predecessor. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, how different this Rangers team play compared to anything over the last five years, I'm not entirely convinced it's that much of a revolution in terms of style and approach. Uh, whether he needs to identify players and bring in players that will fit that, and he, he is just managing at this moment, you know, working with what he has, only time will tell. I think there does need to be a big change in what we do at home. Um, uh, I hate to say it, but, but but Celtic have kind of shown that way. You need to utterly run over the top of of teams and absolutely grab games by the scruff of the neck. They're not necessarily doing that at the moment, which is even more the frustration that I think they're there to be kind of got at. Um, but do we have the players to 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 go and and for any manager to to go and grab that? I am not convinced um, because they've let us down so often and the new players this summer with the exception of maybe one or two um clearly don't look like they've improved that 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 particular situation so i feel for clement in that that um perspective we'll see what he does is able to do um, in terms of the next couple of windows in terms of bringing in what he would consider players that are suited to, to his own ideas um yeah, we'll, we shall see. What, what worries me, Stevie, just in terms of what, what's in front of us with Betis and um, obviously Hamden and then Parkhead at the end of the, the, the month is that we had two opportunities recently, not to chase down, but on a plate to go and win. If, a, you know, if we were able to win at Petodre, able to win at home against a garbage um, Limassol team, um, that you make a significant inroad into ambition um and we didn't and that's the same old story for this this group regardless of what kind of iteration we appear to be in and of course that's a worry it'd be foolish to to just dismiss that um but cups can breed cups stevie they're always um but but they can and um clearly a, a success at Hamden. i think we will win i i don't think it'll be a classic. It would. Uh, it will be that Loudrop Cup final we we're talking about um, a while ago. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, I, I think we will win at Hamden. Um, and who knows what what that is that 
um, experience of just walking around with silverware can can do, but we badly, badly need to start buying better footballs in the next few goes. Yeah, undoubtedly. Uh, Martin, do you know what? It would be nice to be sitting here in five years' time talking about Philip Clement yeah. and, uh, and his book and how he turned Rangers into something um, reminiscent to that Walter Smith domestic form of, of 92-98, which we, we spoke about in, in, the, in the glorious book, The Pursuit of History, Martin. Um, a fantastic way to end this chat. I really appreciate you joining us. Good luck. Uh, with the next few weeks with um, Mrs. Ramsey's um, imminent arrival of, of the, the young baby and, and everything that's going on with you and obviously have a very good festive period, Martin. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, mate. Thank you so much. And just to finally say, folks, we'll put this in the bio. Go and check out The Pursuit of History, um, Martin's story about Rangers from 92 to 98. It is well worth watching and uh, well worth listening rather and, and obviously revolution which is part one from 1986 to 1992 as well as uh, martin's other book the 50 greatest rangers games i'm pleased to say i have them all and they're well worth a read and look into and obviously the audio edition of revolution if you fancy martin actually telling you the story is brilliant to go and hear too i'm actually about to do that and i think i will be getting the audio version of the pursuit of history as well there's something quite um relaxing about not only reading a book but having somebody tell the story as well in podcast form i really enjoy so go and do that folks thanks again for joining us thank you to martin as well and uh, we'll be back with you very soon thank you everyone <laughs>